Giants win. Giants 27, Eagles 17. The Giants are winning in back-to-back games. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Panic. We're brought to you by John, by John Boy Media. And I'm excited, man. This is the most excited I've been for a Giants podcast since uh, the Giants beat the Bucks last season. This is the most excited I am, man. Everything went well. All three phases of this game went beautifully. I mean, we just handedly beat a team that we haven't beat since 2016 and that to me is super exciting justin what's going on my brother (laughs) victory monday it's gonna be victory two weeks hey hey bobby skitter i I have a question i i have a question to ask you do you know who the philadelphia eggles are playing next week the browns even though they're not look even though they're not looking too good browns Oh, I thought they were playing the Seahawks. Bad podcast. Oh, maybe they are. I don't know. I don't know. We, we don't know. We're we're enjoying today. We're enjoying today, but still, you know, half a game back from the East, and the odds are next week the Eagles suck, and they're going to lose again, and then we're probably going to be in first place in the NFC East because that is how that's how it's going to go. That's how it's going to go. Bobby Skinner, it's Victory Monday. Um, this was one of those games where I can imagine if if I was an Eagles fan, I was trying to think while we were in the middle of that game. Just seeing how the Eagles were operating, and if I was an Eagles fan, I really don't think there was any point in that game where I felt like my team was going to come back, if I was an Eagles fan. Where usually with this Giants team, us as Giants fans, we're always so worried about giving away big leads. You know, even at one point, the game did get down to a three-point lead for the on the Giants' end, but still, you just didn't get the feeling that the Eagles were going to come back in this game. If you were a Giants fan who was watching that game for the watching the Giants for the first time this year, even when the even when the gap got down to three, you were like, "Oh, the Giants got this," and they did. They took care of business. Yeah, the Darius Layton job had me a little nervous. But before we get into it, we have forgotten to do this. We've been like, we are like, "Hey, we're not going to ask for these, except for on victory pods and maybe here and there." So we, but we have forgotten to do it on the last two victory pods. So it's perfect since we beat the Eagles and not the Washington football team. Please leave us a five-star rating review on Apple. Please. It takes 15 seconds. I mean, you're literally listening to the pod, so you got time on your hands. Go do it right now. Leave a five-star rating review if you have an iPhone or you use Apple devices. Just do it. Please do it right now. Five seconds of – actually. Tell us how well, you feel. Tell us how you're feeling right now. Yeah, do it. Do it. Please do it. All right. So now we get that out of the way. I don't want to sit here and spend thank 10 you, minutes. Thank you for that. your support. Yes, and, they, and they're doing it right now. So thank you as you do it. Justin, where do we start? Do we start with the quarterback? Because I feel like that's a good place to start. Because you know what? When he plays bad, we spend a lot of time on it. So I think we should spend a good amount of time having a conversation going into the bye week. Because 
Justin, the Tampa game was a low game. I know I've said that a million times, but it was the low point for Daniel Jones' career. Last week, our thoughts were it was a good game. Nothing special, but a good, solid game, especially coming off that Tampa game. This was a flat-out good game. It sucks he didn't have any touchdown passes on it, but this was a good game, Justin. Well, well, here's I mean, the thing about the touchdown passes. Save your thought. The thing about the touchdown passes is how many drives were set up by Daniel Jones. I mean, he did have the, the rushing touchdown, but this is why I like to look at the advanced analytics of like EPA and stuff like that, because how many drives were set up by big Daniel Jones plays with his arm, and then Wayne right. Gallman was able to just walk in the end zone. So Wayne Gallman gets the credit with the touchdown, um, but that's not the full story. So keep so keep going. Right. I mean, and then just going through raw stats, twenty one for twenty eight with two hundred forty four yards, eight point seven yards per attempt. But so he completed seventy five percent of his passes. Yeah. That's with two drops. Yeah. Wayne Gallman had a, a a drop earlier in the game. Now it wouldn't it would have gained like maybe one yard at the most. But nonetheless, it goes against the completion percentage, and then the Darius Slayton drop on third down, yep. which that was like a under duress get you know find the open guy, get the ball out. So that I mean, if you include the drops, his completion percentage was eighty two percent, and it wasn't like he was just dinking or dunking. I mean, I know you're gonna get into some of the analytics and stuff, but the whole like stick stat where it's like how far how far is he thrown to the sticks? Yep. I when I checked, he was leading the entire league for it this week. Yep, um, at like throwing it past the sticks. So and then you put on you know nine carries for sixty four yards a touchdown, um, should have been you know ten carries for you know seventy five yards and two touchdowns, which we can talk. We'll talk about Thomas and the O line, which it's going to be all, basically all good things. I mean, this was an awesome game for him. Yeah, the touchdown numbers weren't there, and we can get into some big picture stuff. But this game individually was an awesome game for Daniel Jones, and I think clearly the best of of the season for him. Yeah, and before we get to him throwing the ball, and I have a whole bunch of stats uh, on that end with that. But Bobby, you know, we're <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Is Daniel Jones part of this movement in the NFL? And I think the obvious answer is yes. Is Daniel Jones part of this movement in the NFL of quarter of quarterbacks with them running the ball? It's almost as much of a deadly weapon as them throwing the ball? Because with Kyler Murray, you see it, Obviously, Lamar Jackson, he, he won his MVP on the back of his ability to run the ball. Josh Allen is on pace to almost, he's an he's a arguable MVP in the league right now. Large, you know, a lot of what he's doing is, you know, through, through his legs and that versatile ability that he has. Daniel Jones is like joining this movement where, you know, of course, he's not going to be going out there and lighting it up like Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Brady, whoever through the air. But on the ground, that presents such a valuable, valuable weapon for this Giants offense, and it is bringing a ton of value to this offense. So it's so cool to see how that production is being used these last few games. It's like, oh, do we actually have something with Jones with the ball in his hands? And the answer is obviously yes. If the Philly game yeah. against Thursday, Philly game Thursday Night Football a few weeks ago didn't answer that, like this game, it's yes. It was part of the game plan. It wasn't just scrambling and it wasn't just random. It was part of how the Giants won today. It's helping the running backs too. Like I've said, a big difference for the past three weeks of them running the ball well has been teams being honest with the Daniel Jones read option. Like, and then when they're not honest, we have those big gains and, you know, should have been two touchdowns. Um, so like like I said, individually in this game, it was awesome. Um, I I want to hit on some big picture points though, because and I want to make I want to make these points to everyone listening, because it's like okay, well it was one good game. Should this game, 
if you if like if you were on the fence of Daniel Jones, should this game make you a flat out believer in Daniel Jones, Justin? No, no, because we need to see it. You know, again, this is part of what we're what we're evaluating for this Giants team. We still need to see things develop and sustain themselves over time. So that's why this, you know, now we're looking at this Cincinnati game is so huge. Right. And I want to make a point off that, Justin, is so we're not going to do that for the really good games. Don't do that on the bad games for him either. You know what I'm saying? Like, look at the big picture. And I know that the big picture hasn't been great this year because the touchdowns haven't been there. But let's look at 10 games into the season as a whole. He's throwing interceptions at a less rate than he was um, the season before. And honestly, he's been a little unluckier this year with his interceptions. He, you know, last year he threw one interception a game. This year he's at less than that now. He's 9 and 10 games, which isn't great. But nonetheless. And then the fumbles, Justin, I went and looked at it because I was like, okay, like, what are the fumbles like? And what was our, what was our goal with his fumbles this year, Justin? Your goal was to cut him in half, and I thought that was a very lofty goal. Cut him in half. Well, in 2020, fumbles lost. He's having one in 103 snaps. In 2019, that was one in 49. So that's cut in half plus a little bit. And then total fumbles, one in 59 snaps. In 2019, one in 30 and, and one in 30 snaps. So they're cut in half. The fumbles are cut in half. The interceptions rate is down. Now, the thing that stinks is the touchdowns aren't there. The big plays aren't there as often as they were last season. But nonetheless, this game, they were there. Yep. Like, I, I get that he need the big plays need to be there. But part of that has been on Jason Garrett, who has looked better the last three weeks. I, I wasn't a big fan of the Washington game plan, but it won the game, so I'm not going to complain. But I'm, I'm in the middle of working on something. I know I've been teasing this like crazy of when – when we're attack, when Jones has routes attacking downfield and when not, and it's a huge like you're gonna be shocked when you see this. Yeah, and the whole the whole thing about why, I Bobby, hey, I I, I will I will say it, I will say it when not when I'm wrong, but when I see something that I agree with, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give credit even when I may hate it. You you could talk about this more because you're more of a schematic guy than I am. I I do want to get to some of my deeper numbers on Daniel Jones with throwing the ball down the field, him being accurate and whatnot. But with Jason Garrett, Bobby, for the large majority of the big plays that the Giants offense had today, and particularly in the passing game, it was when they were playing single high safety. The Eagles were. Safety was all the way back, like off of the TV screen. And... They had yeah, they had like their safeties lining up at the same depth their uh, their strong safety the same depth of level as their linebackers were. So what did Daniel Jones do? Just allow your guys to go up and make a play. And sometimes Bobby, it is as simple as that. Just allowing your guys and your skill position players who you pay good money to and you're highly invested in, just let them make a play. There's no need for the whole schematic of scheming to get a guy open and yada yada this a lot a lot of that. So you could talk a little bit more about that. What you kind of saw what the Eagles were doing and how Daniel Jones took advantage of it. Yeah, and I've been begging for that this year. Like, whenever we take shots, especially on the sideline, it usually goes pretty well. And if it doesn't, okay, fine. You get back to the huddle, and it's the same as running the ball zero yards. You know, like, take those chances. Like, our the bad plays haven't been Daniel Jones trying to stretch the field. And I get the Tampa game was bad for that. Like, But the bad plays for the, the Giants this year haven't been stretching the field. And Besides the Tampa game, we can even go through the interceptions one by one, and it's like, okay, this happened on that one. Like, yep. like they're they're understandable. And what like a QB is gonna get smarter as his career goes on. He's gonna figure out when to take the risk, when to not, when to kill a play. Like, so that's the part that frustrates me with him is like, I'm cool. Like, and we said it going to this year, I'm cool with him making mistakes. 
what has sucked this year is the mistakes haven't been like, especially the Tampa game. And I know we keep on doing it. The Tampa game is like those, those weren't worth it. You know, like the Pittsburgh interception when the long drive and everyone's like, Oh, I was like, I was like, you know, when I look back, I was like, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Because if he doesn't make that same decision three times earlier on that drive, we're not down in that area. And we're punting the ball from the, you know, our own 40. And then the Chicago game, it's like, if he doesn't flip that ball to Dion Lewis while he's being tackled, we're not scoring a touchdown right there. So, so basically, like big picture wise, I feel really good about this yeah. game. And I want to point out, I want to point out. I saw some people say like, "Oh, well, Tua, he's won two. Daniel Jones has only beat two teams in his entire career. Tua did that in his first two games. It's like so did Daniel Jones. So did Daniel Jones in his first two games. And it comes on a day where Justin Herbert couldn't get it done." And Joe Burrow couldn't get it done. I mean, they got beat pretty badly, and they both weren't very good. And I think both those players are good, but let's like we got to stop reacting to individual games and Sunday night football and stuff because this league changes all the time. These quarterbacks are changing and growing, and they're going to have struggles. And that's what has frustrated me with with the critics of Jones. It's like, man, you're you want him to not have struggles. But then it's like, oh, well, he doesn't take risks. And it's just been frustrating. And I, st- I believe in this kid. And I get I get a lot of heat for that. But I just do. Because he has the accuracy. We saw it. He has the mobility. I, he has the work ethic. I think he's smart enough. Like, he, you know, he, you look at Wonderlick. Like, I think he's smart enough to figure out. And I don't want to take out the ballsiness of him. And I, my worry is that this game, it looked good, is that Joe Judge and Jason Garrett are trying to turn into Tom Brady. When that's not who he is. He's Ben. He's Big Ben. His playing style is Big Ben. You know, there's going to be those boneheaded time plays. But then there's going to be those plays where he, he wows you. So, that's my hope. It's going forward is that this coaching staff treats him as a Big Ben and not as a Tom Brady. Yeah. You mentioned his smarts a couple times in your, in your soliloquy speech there. And one of the biggest observations I had from this game, it, it even was one that I had against Washington – um, but particularly today, particularly today, you know, you saw you saw the Giants' offense. They went a little bit high, uh, high tempo, no huddle, a little bit. But even when they weren't doing that, for the large majority of the offensive possessions and the offensive game today, Jones was calling things out at the line of scrimmage. The amount yeah. of times that I heard him identify the mic, uh, the mic linebacker, you heard the Eli Eli play call again, which you know you would think that. It's it's him uh, killing a play and then going to another play. They change up their codes every week. Uh, when Joe Judge and Garrett, when they were asked about that Eli call, it's like, oh, we just we change things every week. So that's what that Eli thing is. Um, uh, the amount of times that pre-snap motion and motion at the snap was utilized today was incredible. The one play where J- Daniel Jones had the big pass play to Deion Lewis on the sideline. That's when Daniel Jones. Forgot about that that's one. when Daniel Jones motioned out Deion Lewis to the to to the uh, to uh, to a wide receiver to outside wide receiver. So they then, saw they weren't blitzing and then motioned him out. Yeah, and so then I th- I think a corner followed uh, uh Deion Lewis and I th- it looked like they were playing some sort of pseudo man cover uh a zone coverage. Excuse me, but it was cover two. But whatever it whatever that pre snap motion did, it was enough for Jones to read the defense. I know what I'm seeing. I'm gonna deliver this ball. And how many times have I said? Daniel Jones throwing the ball deep, particularly when he's throwing it deep on the sideline. He did it there, and he was awesome doing that today. He was awesome pretty much doing everything today. But particularly the whole big point that I have about you know his smarts, and we've talked about um, did Pat Shermer ever give him the full ability to 
audible at the line of scrimmage, call things out at the line of scrimmage, call out protections, call out the mic, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and we just didn't know. Well, today we heard it. We didn't exactly know what the calls were and what he was doing, but we heard it today. We heard him. He was a maestro at the line of scrimmage today. Yeah. So the Shep and Tate throws, those were awesome. You know, taking chances, let your playmakers make plays. They both made plays. Good stuff right there. What I love particularly was that Darius Slayton won at the end of the game because they brought everyone down the box, showed their blitzing, even brought the safety within 10 yards and played press man on Darius Slayton. And you saw them. And I said, they are daring us to throw the ball deep to Darius Slayton. They are daring us. I said, please do it. I, I don't care what goes wrong on this play. Please do that. Please do that. Take your shot. Don't be as, don't be coach afraid here. Don't do that. And it connected. You let your playmakers make plays. Darius Slayton makes a play on Darius Slay. And I get to go dunk on all those Eagles fans who were in my mentions <laughs> after uh, uh, Eagles podcast. Um, clip 20 seconds of me asking for a bull prediction. Suck it. Suck it. Um, so you let, they let their playmakers make plays today. Yep. Slay, Slayton. Hell, even Tate had the big play. Um, Shep, you know, was making plays. Shep. Shep had six catches on six targets. Yeah, he has a seventy-eight percent catch rate on the year. Uh huh. I th- I really like. He really is huge for this offense. He is huge for this offense, and it sucks he gets hurt. But he is so much bigger. Like he's just big for the offense, yep. and he's not going to have like the hundred fifty-yard games or the two touchdown games like a Slayton will. But man, he is really important for us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if it's a shame if you're a new listener to the show and you weren't listening over the summer. Because I felt it felt like it was almost once every week how I was talking about, you know, I, I just looked at all I looked at all the numbers from 2019 and particularly when Shep when Shep was with Daniel Jones he almost was like a different wide receiver, you know he he came he came like from this this pseudo number two wide receiver that did some things well and you know he was just kind of he was he was he was good he was average, but then with Jones he became almost like a Steve Smith, Eli Manning Steve Smith. Like when Steve Smith was young and Eli was young and, you know, both in their early part of their careers, the security blanket, the guy that you're going to go to on first down, that you're not going to throw Steve Smith the ball deep down the field. You're not. He's going to be largely a possession guy. However, Shep in 2020, he, he's been getting the ball in space a little bit and he's been doing some fun things. But still, uh, the, the point is there. And I think the trend is. Sterling Shepard, as long as he as long as he is staying healthy, he will be Daniel Jones' Steve Smith. He will. Speaking of slot receivers, did you see Golden Tate quote tweet his highlight and say, surprise, surprise, with the hand over the mouth? And he said, Big time win. Still don't like him. That made me like him less. That I wasn't as I wasn't as mad at him as everyone else, but that that tweet made me like him less. Like, dude, you yeah, two catches for forty-four yeah. yards. Like, let's let's relax. Take a it easy. Bit, okay. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure Darius Slayton has been hurt the last few weeks. Ever since he caught that, yeah. ever since I think he caught that touchdown pass. I forget who was against Washington. It was against Washington. That that and he hurt his ankle. Pretty sure he hurt his ankle even before that too. Darius Slayton, I think, has been a warrior these last few weeks. I think he even hurt, got hurt again today, and he missed time. He, he came back in the game, and I think it was a different injury. So Golden Tate got suspended for a game. He had two catches today. Meanwhile, Darius Slayton put up more production when he probably saw a whole quarter less worth of games. All right, it's not. This is not an anti-Golden Tate episode. I don't want to talk about it. Can I? Can I? Do our final little thing on Jones, and then maybe we can get to the run game and the offensive line a little bit. Um, can I just share like my 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 advanced numbers stuff and then get that spiel out of the way? No, we don't got time. Huh? 
No, we don't have time. You don't have time? All right. Offensive line it is. <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> um, so Daniel Jones' CPOE, the completion percentage over expected. It's a stat that I've been reading off almost every week. It's a stat that I look to look at for pretty much quarterbacks because what it's basically measuring is based off of NFL next-gen stats and player tracking data, um, it, it, you're able to calculate what a quarterback's expected completion percentage is versus their, versus their actual completion percentage. So Jones' completion percentage over expected was plus... 5.6%. As of the as of the 1 o'clock game slated on Sunday, that was third highest in the league. Awesome. 75% completion percentage on 28 attempts. We already talked about that. His average intended air yards per attempt was 8.3. Third highest in the league after the 1 o'clock games. And 8.7 yards per attempt, that is the best total that he has had so far this year and I'm pretty sure it's it's almost uh, his best total that he's had so far this year by by two yards and what makes this so much more impressive considering how much he threw the ball deep down the field a good a good amount today you know still not a ton but it was still it was a good amount today it was a good balance between the intermediate part stuff and the deep stuff what makes it so impressive is that he had an average time before the release his average time before the throw average time before the release was 2.35 seconds, second quickest in the league so far after the one o'clock games. That I was is surprised insane. it was that quick. That is I was insane. surprised it was that quick. I f- it felt like it wasn't that quick because uh, there were some times where he was just sitting in the pocket, which we'll talk about the O line. Most importantly, though, QB wins is the most important QB stat, right? Yes. Well, with Herbert and Tua, or Herbert and and Joe Burrow combined, he has tied with them. Which is funny. I know this probably gets annoying. I mean, my my point isn't to bash those guys because I think both of them are really good. And I actually think I love what Herbert is doing in a vertical offense compared to the horizontal one in Oregon. My point is for all the people in the beginning of the year, like, oh, those guys just figure out a way to get it done. Those guys just figure out how to get get it done. Well, guess what? Waters found its level. And those guys together have combined the amount of wins that Daniel Jones has this year. And I, I know that sounds nitpicky, but that's the nitpicky stuff we were hearing. So I just, want, I just want to put that in the context. Let's be happy about a win. Let's talk about the running game. Well, one, the running game was Daniel Jones. I thought it was a good balance. It was. It was. Give Wayne, the, the Wayne Gallman yards per carry doesn't look as good because he had like five carries inside the five-yard line. So, you know, there was, there was one drive. His second touchdown, I'm pretty sure all three of his carries – it took until a third and goal to score the touchdown, and first and second goal went to him. So that's why his yards per carry doesn't look good. His rushing yards over expected numbers were very good today. Um, and, and again, think, you know, so again, rushing yards over expected, very similar to completion percentage over expected. Running backs, you're able to chart and you're able to, and you're able to graph, not graph, you're able to just track uh, the amount of rushing yards a running back is expected to get per carry, and his was .87 of a yard per carry, over-expected. So, good. Wayne Gallman, good. Give him a little bit more credit. Are you going to ask me? I'm officially a Gallmanite, Bobby. Are you a Gallmanite? Well, he didn't lead the team in rushing, which is kind of a rule, but I was like, you know what? When that happened last year, last week it was Alfred Moore. So, like, you know, like the QB runs, like a lot of that is them playing off the run game. So, I'm like, okay. Let me, let me go off that. But then... Yards per carry, Alfred Morris, 4.25. Wayne Gallman, 2.9. How 
How am I supposed to be a Gallmanite no, when he doesn't? On. He's third on the team in yards per carry. Come he's on, he's third I on the team in yards per carry and second in rushing. I get he has some touchdowns, but I just, I can't, I can't give him that credit. I can't, I can't become a Gallmanite. And honestly, at this point, it's probably better because the longer I hold out on this, the the he keeps on doing well. So I, I cannot become a Gallmanite after he's third on the team in yards per carry and second in rushing. I'm disappointed by it, but I appreciate your superstition. If you keep on holding out, he'll continue to give better and better performances. I appreciate that. Even though his, you know, his total even though his total rushing yards weren't 53 rushing yards. Even though they weren't it wasn't one of his best of the season and his yards per carry and his efficiency wasn't all that great. I think this was his most impressive game in terms of turning yeah. out certain plays that had nothing in front of them but he made something out of it with not being too patient, but he's patient enough. Where I was even looking at his time before time behind the line of scrimmage, he's he's one of he's literally one of the running backs in the National Football League that spends the least amount of time behind the line of scrimmage. Now I I will say I, I love Saquon. I love him dearly, and he is one of the most talented players in the National Football League. But Wayne Gallman has the same yards after contact as Saquon Barkley had in 2019 and 2018. Wayne Goldman's total of yards after contact is the same. Per, yards after contact per carry. And his time behind the line of scrimmage is way less than Saquon Barkley. Because we all know that Saquon Barkley likes to dance. But Alfred the running Moore. game has been better. But the running game has been better for Goldman compared to Barkley. So it's kind of unfair to compare. Yeah, I mean... I, and I'm not just holding out for the sake of holding out. I'm... Like, hey, I mean, he's second in the team in rushing, third in yards per carry. He's good. Though. Lead the team in he rushing, lead good. the teams in yards per carry. I mean, it's simple as that. You're a hater. Simple as You're that. You're a hater. I mean, he had, I mean, he had 53 yards today, 2.9 yards per carry. I mean, am I supposed to be – am I supposed to – let me put it this way. If Saquon had 53 yards and 2.9 yards per carry, should we – would be jumping for joy for Saquon Barkley? No. Exactly. No. That's my point. I hold, I hold my players to a higher standard. With the offensive line, though. Now, it's hard to see on TV, but I want to start with Shane Lemieux because he did get the start over Will Hernandez and played the whole game over Will Hernandez until Kevin Zeitler went out with a concussion. Hope you know, Big Kev's our guy. Hope he gets better. Hope he's back uh, for the Cincinnati game, which is a game I'm sure he'd want to play because you know he started his career at Cincinnati. From the TV eye, it seemed like Shane Lemieux played really good, like in the past game and everything, which is good because the last two games I wasn't impressed with his pass blocking at all. Um... Like I said, it's it's hard to tell how the guards are playing from the TV copy. But, I mean, there was never a time where I was aggravated with Lemieux. So I, I feel good about that. What do you think of the whole split? On, well, it wasn't even a split. Lemieux, st- Lemieux was going to start the whole game. They yeah. weren't even going to rotate Hernandez in. What do you make of that? I don't know. I don't want to give any takes. Because I don't know like how Hernandez is feeling. COVID fog. Yes. I, I, I just don't know. Like, you know, if he's not feeling well and he hasn't been practicing well because of it, like, then I get it. But all things even, that should not happen. And I know people love Shane Lemieux and they're going to, you know, the guilt by association will be like, hey, they're running the ball well. They're protecting well. It has to be Shane Lemieux. He's the difference. The biggest difference, honestly, has been Andrew Thomas that we'll talk about. Uh, and maybe this game it was. Like I said, it's hard to tell from the TV copy. Um, but Will Hernandez should be. Will Hernandez was start a guard for probably every team in the NFL. 
And I, I, I mean, you know, obviously we can't go by each one one by one, but I'm pretty confident Will Hernandez would be a starting guard for every team in the NFL. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I would be willing to venture it, it was just not wanting to rush him back. Not going to speculate any further because we don't know we're not in the building. Um, but right. if it happens after the bye week, if let's just say Zeitler's back and Zeitler's ready to roll and Lemieux's starting at left guard and there is no rotation, then it's like, oh. Yeah, then it's over a, for him. Then, it's, then, yeah. then it's, <laughs> he's got to move on, which yeah. would be wild. Which would That would be wild. Um, Thomas, man, I know people will remember the holding penalty, which, by the way, I wouldn't have called that. And I know that uh, that's coming from a Giants homer. But in slow motion, you can like kind of see maybe a holding. For a holding to be a holding, it has to be like when you go in slow motion, it has to be obvious. And to me, it didn't. It didn't look like holding. It's and that's what, like because there's times where guys yank for by the, you know they yank them and stuff like that. If that's holding, that's when the announcers say the cliche that if that's holding, every play is holding. That's when it's true because if that's holding, every single play on the on the field is holding. It looked like he was holding by the breastplates, and that's what, that's you're what you do taught every to play. Do. That's what that's you do what every play in the run game. Yeah. You don't just have your hand like you. You hold every single time, like, and that's how. That's not just like oh, because they're bad. They teach you that every time. So yeah, um, you're taught to and, not hold by the shoulder pads. You're taught to hold by the breastplates and your and your chest. That's what your your hands are inside. And his hands, it seemed like the hands creeped outside for a second. Here's my thing. If if that was a seven yard gain, it's not called for a holding call. But because it was a big touchdown, it was a holding call. That's that's what I think about that. But let's just say it was an egregious holding call. He was really good as a pass blocker. I mean, just saw and there was times where Jones was sitting back there and he was just was not being moved. I cannot wait to watch his film this week because he was solid, and that's why he was my giant factor. Because, you know, he had two good games. It's like, okay, he's going up against, you know, Chase Young, who's as high as, as people have been on a rookie in a long time, but nonetheless a rookie. And then Jason Pierre-Paul is like, okay, he had a good game. Three good games in a row. And this game is against a team that made him look silly. Made him look silly. And he puts together three good games in a row, man. I am so excited. I, after being, being very frustrated at, at some points and people, you know, doing the bus Eric Flowers stuff, it's so refreshing to have him put three really good games in a row. Three really good games in a row, man. And it's, it's, I'm just happy for him. I'm happy for him that he's put together three good games in a row. And like I said, if he gives up a sack in the next game, I'm not mad at him. It happens. It'll ha- it, it will happen. But when you put three good games in a row, it gives you more leeway. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm really happy for him. Yeah, especially considering... He's put together, you know, good games consistently week after week the last few weeks, and his last bad game was against Philadelphia. Yeah, like that, that was a brutal, brutal, brutal game, and he was able to uh, play some really talented, uh, go up against some really talented players like Graham, like Malik Jackson, and perform very, very well. Bobby Andrew Thomas has not been dealt the the most friendliest of hands as he has entered the NFL. What Khalil Mack. Uh, Bud Dupree. Um, let's. I mean, let's just continue to go through. Cowboys edge rushers are talented within themselves with Alden Smith and Demarcus Lawrence. Um, you can go through week by week, and you can say, "Oh, this guy is a yeah, arguably uh, a Pro Bowl caliber guy." Wasn't there was the Rams? 
yeah. they had Aaron Donald, but like they're, where their edge rushers weren't like, oh man, look at these edge rushers we're going up against. Yeah. That's the only game. So, I guess the 49ers, since their guys were hurt. Regardless, Andrew Thomas going into the bye, and this is what makes it awesome. You know, when, when, when we evaluate Andrew Thomas and we evaluated his season a couple weeks ago, especially when he was in, when he was bad, you know, we were, at one point we were talking about, we just need to find a way so this guy's confidence just doesn't, so he just doesn't lose it. Yeah. <laughs> and so then he's screwed from years two, three, four, and five because he lost all of his confidence his rookie year. It's awesome that he's heading into the bye week where now he has what three, three, three good weeks of film now yeah. since we played Philadelphia. Three good weeks of film. He obviously has the opener against uh, Pittsburgh where he was pretty solid as well. But after all those weeks of bad film and bad plays and everybody doubting him. He is really feeling it, and he can go into the bye week and make some other little small tweaks and changes. It's awesome. It's really fun. Yeah, and it's like the Chicago game, he did give up that sack in the beginning of the game, but like he was actually pretty solid in that game. The San Francisco game, like he had some bad plays, but it wasn't like worrisome. And then the Rams game, it's like he started out the first quarter bad, and then after that was solid. And then the Cowboys game, it was like the one play of the, you know, the play action that ended up turning into a fumble. And so it's like, then the Eagles game was just like he sucked all game, you know. Yeah. Um, or and then he, you know got him benched for the Washington game, although he played well in that game. Then he sucked all game versus Philly. Um, so it's good to, for him to put those three games uh, in a row. Parrot played three plays, I think. He gave that QB hit on the third down. But that's what sucks about only playing three plays is that the one play it's like okay, like you don't get the bounce back from it. So I, I get that. That's probably a little frustrating for him. That it's like okay, I have one bad play, I'm out, and I. That's why I was like, when we before we knew what happened when Thomas was bench Washington, before we knew it was like uh, disciplinary. We're like you can't just be benching people for bad plays. Like you just can't do that with the offensive line spot. So that kind of stinks for Parrot. But I at the same time, if they think Fleming's better, they should play Fleming. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think we've talked about this in the past too about don't just rotate guys in and out. I don't know. You don't. That it doesn't exactly rotation make I'm sense. fine with. I don't. But they're like the. The disciplinary, like, like you just can't do that with offensive linemen. It's, it's, it's. I know it's like, oh, you're accountable, be accountable, but that's like not how, that's not how real life works, you know. No, you you can do that at wide receiver, um, but offensive line is the singular most important group that relies on chemistry and moving as one, and you know ha- having that having that movement together. So, um, if it was working fine today, so so no no complaints uh, from me on how they did the breakdown of. Uh, even sitting Will Hernandez, it was it was working fine. No complaints on my I mean, end. Jones had three sacks. I know, like the the one that was like the first play of the game, that was as coverage as a coverage sack will ever get. There, and I think the other two were like him giving up on plays and like just running up in the pocket and getting like. So I don't think there was like a a clear cut like offensive line gave up a sack. Like Thomas no. didn't do it, um, Lemieux didn't do it, Gates didn't do it, Zeitler didn't do it, and then Flint, like the only play, the only really like passing play. Bad play from the offensive line, I, I remember, is just the pair giving up the QB hit because he opens yeah. his hips up a little too early. People got mad at Fleming for the first sack, but it's all for but the, fir- the first sack of the first play. But it was one of those things where it's up oh, Jason he had four Garrett. Four or five seconds. It was J- stick Jason flat, Garrett. Cor- slant flat. That's where I was yeah, like, it, yeah. That was a Jason Garrett sack. That wasn't a, a offensive line or a Daniel Jones sack. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Caden Smith and if it was Caden Smith and Evan Ingram, they were both running curl routes like right next to each other. So it's like, oh, is this how we're really going to start out the game? And 
Um, it's luckily how we didn't end the game. So, um, Bobby, that's that's all I have offensively. Well, what about um, going for it on fourth down? Uh, well, maybe maybe we'll make that a bye week discussion. Can we do that? Can we yeah. make that a bye week discussion? That was ridiculous. This- that was ridiculous at the end of the half. Not going for it. Like, well, let me, this- let me say this in defense of something because people are getting mad at the the dummy calls. It's better to do that than to not do that. That's my thing. I, I know agree. it gets annoying and it becomes a talking point. But if you're going to punt, you might as well do that. So that's why I, I will defend that. Where it's like, I get no one's falling for it. But it's one of those things like, well, what's, what? It does, it does no harm to do that. Um, and then one one day we're going to run it. We're going to run yep. it one second on the clock and pop them in the mouth and get a first down. Yep. So, so that's, I know that like, it's an, I get, it is annoying for me because every time it's like, we know you're not going to snap the ball. You're going to go from under center to shotgun and then you're going to dummy call and then Gates is going to stand up and toss the ball back to the offense, <laughs> the ref every time. But one day they're going to pop them in the mouth and get it. Yeah. One, that one day, <laughs> that one day they're going to do it. And, and also, I, I, you know, I don't know, and I, I don't even know if, if a beat reporter were to ask this, don't even know if they would give him an answer. Are they saying, are they giving Daniel Jones a play or two at the line of scrimmage of, okay, you know, you're going to have a play that's under center. Your second call, if you want to kill it, is in the shotgun. And even if you don't like the call that happens there, then you just don't snap the ball. I don't know. Or are they just telling them to do a bunch of dummy, uh, dummy, hud, 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 hud. I'm pretty sure it's dummy calls. Okay. Joe well, Judge did uh, have this after the game. You know, I see these guys being able to go ahead and understand a bigger picture concept and push forward with that. So I see kind of a lot of guys who are younger players, you know, really move on. Excuse me one second. Hey, whoever's got that, turn that off. Just turn that off. Sorry, guys. Um, so I see the players improving across the board. And, you know, he snapped on somebody. He was, I think he was actually, uh, Pat Leonard uh, gave more context surrounding that. And it wasn't like the players. Because the, the the press conference rooms and the Zoom rooms are away from the locker room. So I think it was actually one of the coaches' rooms that was. Was pr- that was producing some kind of other noise. And because he, he talked to him kind of like he talked to him like they were a bunch of players. And that was kind of, he like snapped on him. That was, that uh, was funny. That was funny. <laughs> um, all right. Do you want to talk about the defense? Yeah. Let's, uh, let's jump to it. I have a wild stat uh, that I just found. We'll kick it a off. Crazy stat. You want me to kick it off with this? Kick it off. So, kick it uh, off. NF- NFL.com has the, has the game center game book. That they uh that they put out at the end of each game. So I don't know if it's gonna be the same as Pro Football Reference or whatever other website tracks these kinds of things. I want you to guess how many quarterback hits Leonard Williams had this game. Two. Nope. He had five. <laughs> five. He had five quarterback hits. Did he really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> According to uh, according to the, the the official NFL game book from the Giants and the Eagles, Leonard Williams had five quarterback hits. They had Jabril Peppers have one, uh, Harris had one, Dexter Lawrence, Kyler Fackrell had one, Darnay Holmes. No, I'm saying this wrong. Dalvin Tomlinson had one, and Cam Brown had one. But <laughs> Leonard Williams had five quarterback hits. There were there were two or three that I saw with my naked eye, but five is just crazy. He is he is never going to get a sack against Carson Wentz. He he can never. He he's he, this is the fourth time that he's played him in his Giants career, in his young Giants career, and he is. I feel like he has seventeen quarterback hits against the the Eagles. Yeah, well, Danny ripped him in his article like that scumbag hit Cam or Carson Wentz late. 
We're gonna. I'm gonna fight Danny after this show. Uh, so we had no turnovers for Wentz, and you know how people with like Jones, like, oh, the turnovers coming. That's the way I, you know, and and rightfully so because he's turned over the ball a ton in his career. But that's the way I was like, Wentz has to turn it over here eventually, right? Like that's like my whole fourth yep. quarter was like, he's gonna turn it over here eventually. But no turnovers. Um, we had three sacks. They were oh for nine on third down. Oh for nine on third down. And that's been an issue with this Giants defense. And they weren't relying on turnovers. So people came be like, well, we won the turnover battle and won by three points. No. They didn't. They didn't. No turnovers. 0 for nine on third down. 0 for one on four, 0 for one on fourth or maybe one for two on fourth down. One for two. Three sacks. They just they couldn't get anything rolling. Besides Boston, well, their running game went rolling. I mean, they yeah, nineteen carries for one hundred fifty three yards. But here's a take. Eight yards. He, for here's carries. here's a take. Here's a take about allowing. I, I know, I know that may be a little bit of a a talking point about Don't the Giants' it. run defense. I would one hundred percent rather have an NFL offense that I'm playing, and and as a defense, I would one hundred percent rather uh, rather allow the illusion that the rushing game is there. And they're running the ball well. Obviously, Boston Scott had his big play. So un- unless you're allowing 50-yard running running plays, then it's okay. That's a bad thing. But Miles Sanders churning out five, six yards per carry, I'm fine. He's wanting to what? If Carson Wentz is going to be missing guys here and there, if Jason Kelsey is going to be fumbling snaps left and right, which, by the way, my new favorite center list of all time, um, Sean O'Hara's one, Bart Oates is two, Nick Gates is three, Jason Kelsey's four. He's my fourth favorite center of all time after this game. That's messed up but, to Chris Bober. I know, I know. Somebody commented on that. It's messed up. I should have I should have thought about it a little bit more than before I put out the tweet. We got that. But um Huh? So we understood the joke. Yeah, we we Well we got most it. people did, I'll say that. Not everyone. Yeah. Um but I would rather allow five, six yards consistently in the run game because if the passing game isn't there, you ain't going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. As well, Bobby Skinner I mean, yawns. It's been a long day. It's been a long day. Boston Scott is crazy how he just always plays <laughs> good against us. It, it doesn't make any sense. Miles Sanders is also pretty good. I, I was I was like, I'm oh, this guy's going to be here. what they did because, one, their running game is successful. But here's a stat that I was blown away when I saw it. Five solo tackles for Devontae Downs, five total. David Mayo, four solo tackles, four total. Blake Martinez, two solo tackles, four total. So if you can, if you put more an emphasis on solo tackles, which you should, Downs and David Mayo both had more than Blake Martinez. I mean, they. I'm interested to see what they did to game plan against Blake Martinez because that that had to be what it was. They had to do whether it's running the opposite side of Blake Martinez. I'm, I'm interested to see what they did or if they like like hey made an emphasis of like hey we have to trap him on the backside and not let him make plays because that was that was i mean uh, that was a, that was a wild stat when i read it because like, i mean guys leading the nfl in tackles this game he was six for us and our other uh, two of our other inside linebackers the downs who were not high on at all mayo who were like eh on both had more tackles than than blake martinez david mayo had a tackle for loss today too yeah which shooting was the cool. gap i loved it yeah David Mayo is one of those guys where it's like, you know how it goes. It's like he comes on the team, he does all right, and then he gets a good PFF run grade, and I get aggravated. It's like he's not that good in the run game. He's like average at best. He's a solid backup. And then you get Devontae Downs out there. Now it's like 
David Mayo just feels like one of the guys, you know, like his, this is his second, you know, he's been there, you know, this is his second regime. He's one of the, he's like, you know, someone on the defense that came from the other team where, you know, James Bradbury's, you know, new Blake Martinez, Logan Ryan. So J- Bre- David Mayo just be, is like one of those guys where it's like, oh, he's just, he's a giant, you know? I don't know if this is making any sense, but I just feel that way about him. You just feel it. I just, li- feel I just it. like him now. Where it's like last year, I was, you know, like, what's the point of keeping Alex Tanny on the roster now? Alex Tanny is like one of my favorites. So I think that's what. Well, we we, we we like David Mayo a lot better because we have Blake Martinez. That's I think that's basically your point. Yeah, and Devontae Downs. <laughs> and, well, and Devontae Downs because of how bad he is, he makes you like Mayo a little bit better. Was there anybody else? Let, let's talk about Bradbury. Bradbury. <laughs> Dude's a beast. Brad. Dude is a beast. I mean, he's just fun to watch. Where it's like, it's like, a, it's, it's fun to be on defense and be like, please throw it to your number one wide receiver. Please do it. And they did it. And Bradbury shut him down. I think, I don't know who tweeted this out. I'm so sorry. But they basically just took a screenshot of Travis Fulgham's receptions and yards for the last couple games um, since we played the Eagles last. And you see. 10 catches, 9 catches, 8 catches, whatever, Fulgham having really big numbers. And then against the Giants, uh, well, no, Fulgham had good numbers. Fulgham, I feel like Fulgham had did good num- did have good numbers Thursday Night Football. But today, what do you have, 1, 2 catches? We had Bradbury on Deshaun Jackson a good amount of that game. That game and Deshaun Jackson was not here. So, there you go. We were, asking, we were asking on our on our pregame show, is uh, Bradbury going to follow Fulgham? And uh, yes, he was. Where was... We also said on this pregame show that they need to stop sharing that Deshaun Jackson miracle in the Meadowlands clip because he openly hates Jews. Why are we celebrating somebody like that? It's a great question. It has nothing we, to do with me hating the Eagles. What was what was the update on all Sean Jeffrey? Because it was Greg Ward out there. Did he just not play? Jeffrey played. He just He played? Yeah. Oh, good for him. I don't know how many snaps he got, but he definitely was <laughs> out there. Sheesh. Yeah, because I, I saw the majority it was Ward, Fulgham, and uh Ward's a good player too. He is, yeah, he is. He is a pretty good player. Goddard was limited too in, in his ability of getting involved. Punch him um, in the face. You did punch him in the face. This is true. This is. Can very we talk true. about the MVP of the defense for today and most games lately? Oh wait, can I guess? Can I guess who it is? It's my favorite player on the team. Your favorite player on the team. That's that's bold. Darnay Holmes had a. I felt like Darnay Holmes, Holmes did had a have good a good today. game. Um, that was Jabril, a, Peppers. Yeah, Jabril, Jabril Peppers. Jabril Peppers. He's my favorite player on this team. We they had the most tackles, tackles, half a sack, two, two tackles, two for tackles loss. for a loss, a, a half a sack. He's like really good at blitzing now. I mean, he is just a playmaker, and that's what I've said about Jabril Peppers forever. He is a playmaker, and he has some good punt returns for all the people who are wanting to cut him because they didn't return the punt a couple times a few weeks ago. He is a beast and a playmaker, and I love everything about his game. And he's good in coverage. He is good in coverage. And I know we did this all last week, but I, I get ex- he's a player I get excited about watching. He's like been elite in coverage these past few games. It's been basically since the Eagles game. And that Boston Scott touchdown, it was just such a wild throw, wild catch. It's one of those plays that a quarterback makes where it's like there's no defending it. Speaking of special teams, I do have a fun little... Fun little tidbit of um, for special teams and starting average starting field position, and this very much favored the defense today. Giants defense, that is. The best starting field position the Eagles had was their own 25-yard line, and that was touchbacks. A touchback was the Eagles' best starting field position today. Their average starting field position was their own 
16-yard line. And for the Giants, their average starting field position was their own 31-yard line. The Giants did have a couple possessions that they were pinned down deep, but also they had two offensive possessions that were on that were in Philadelphia's territory. So all day with special teams. I know Graham Gano just got the contract extension. Which, 72-yard which cool. punt for Riley Dixon, yeah. I mean, yeah, Graham Gano, three long. years, 14 mil, nine and a half guaranteed. So I'm assuming that the next two years are guaranteed and then 2023, yeah. you know, is free to cut. Um, but I'm ready to give Riley Dixon that contract extension after this game. Holy my smokes. My guy. I mean, we're not special teams guys, but they're, they, I mean, they were both really good today. I mean, today they've been good today all year. Like, Whoa. Graham Gano is just <laughs> automatic. It's nice to have. And honestly, I like Algic Rosas. I know he has some personal issues, and I, I, I do hope he goes through that, gets through them. Um, like I don't, like I don't hate Algic Rosas, but to go from him being so up and down last year, I mean, missing kick after kick, and then having the legal issues and being suspended, to Graham Gano after we cut Chandler Catanzaro, feels good. Feels good to have someone yeah. who's the best kicker in the NFL, probably like right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's this is going to be an off-season project that I'm going to do. It was like 55 yards against Yeah. The Bears, I think. I think it was like a 55 yard at the end of the half versus the Bears. Yeah. But this is going to be an off-season project that I'm going to do. Um and it's actually it's actually a question that Glenn Warsiski has been asking me to look into he for 2 me. years now. Oh, nice. Nice. I haven't talked to Glenn in a while. I hope he's okay. What I want to look what I want to look into is Usually, kickers have like an insane bananas year, and then the next year is a down year. And Mason Crosby had like a really bananas good year, like maybe like 10 years ago, and then he was down for a couple years, and now he's kind of stabilized. Kick When kickers usually have like insane years, the next year is, is usually a let down year. And I don't know don't why, I don't know how. Don't bring that energy the, around here. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just, I'm saying... That this is typically a trend, and I want to make sure I want to disprove the trend this offseason and and the question that people have been asking me to look into, disprove it so Graham Gano can be good for next year. That's what I want to do. Yeah, yeah. Bring that energy around here. Don't that should not be an offseason project. You should just be blindly <laughs> thinking that he's going to be awesome next year. How about that? Stop, stop. The, one of the offseason projects that I did this past offseason was a. Uh, was looking at the weather's impact on starting field position. That was the most random article I'm ever going to write. Um, was it windy it there? Because, be... like, Jones was, you know, that was like, a, you know, with the Eagles game last week in Week 17 with the rain and stuff. It's like, oh, he's not good in the wind. And then people said it on Tampa, but I, I, I refuse to believe that Tampa, the game was just because of wind. I mean, I heard that it was, like, windy there. So, I mean, that's cool. Yeah, well, it, I mean, well, it had wind. to be windy for him that, for those yeah, kicks seventy-one way, punt. Yeah, so it was <laughs> for windy, seventy-one and he, punt. And he was throwing the ball well. well. That's good. Yeah, so that's that's good. And, and you know, there, besides, maybe there was a little wind on that Darius Slayton throw because that ball took like a weird trajectory. Tra- tra- trajectory. It like stopped in the middle of the air because Darius Slayton almost stopped his route, and then he like caught, and then the ball just kind of like landed him. So maybe it did have a little bit of an impact, but uh. Who cares? It, it didn't have it on us, and it helped in the 71-yard punt. How nice is it going to be when we get back O'Shane Zimenez? I I think, because I, I was doing the week-by-week, week, like, um, I'm saying like too many times. The next McKinney game, we have Xavier McKinney, O'Shane Zimenez, Tay Crowder, and hell, even Ryan Lewis. Yeah, yeah, that's true. 
but I was doing the the week by week advanced pass rusher stuff, and it's funny as I was spending so much time looking up that on my own, like keeping track of it every week in a spreadsheet. Pro, Pro Football Reference now gives you game by game access to pressures, QB knockdowns, QB hurries. Oh, they do. Yeah, they do. They do. I put that. I put that in our greasy three group chat. Guess you don't look at that, Bobby Skinner. Um, but Man, I was doing the week it, by week. Oh, wow, I was doing the week by week breakdown before O'Shane got hurt, and even though he didn't, I don't. I don't even know if he has a half a sack yet this year. Even though the sack numbers are not there, he has been getting pressures every week. He's been getting QB hits every week that he's been in, and his reps were limited too because of Lorenzo Carter and because of Kyler Fackrell, because of Marcus Golden. So he was number th- he was basically number three in the rotation, but he's gonna be no- he's gonna be, I think number he's gonna be the starter right next to Kyler Fackrell. He's yeah. gonna be getting eighty percent of the snaps. Be, yeah, he'll be playing a ton. Um, I mean, I think we've kind of covered everything, right? I mean, I I I've, I've hit on all, every single one of my notes. Yeah, I kind of want to give Julian Love a little credit. Julian Love, he he's been a guy that's been playing kind of the the deep center, the deep free safety role, and he had a he had a good game. Yeah. Felt like there was a, the pass breakup that he was involved with James Bradbury on a third down. Mm-hmm. Adrian Colbert may be coming back too. That's a guy that we keep Monte on Hard just played a couple of snaps. Look good, good job. Dexter Lawrence had a sack. Brian Porras, thank you for calling that out. Thank and you. Leonard Williams tried to take credit for it. Yeah, they, they did not give Leonard Williams a half a sack. They gave Dexter Lawrence the full sack. Rightfully which so. Which I find I no, I find that to be BS. I think they should split it in half. He was literally falling down with that like Leonard Williams literally just fell on top of him. Carson Wentz would have probably gotten out of that. You know that little sneaky effing hamster. Whatever. He finished the job. And that's what Leonard Williams is. He's a finisher, goddammit. Alright, so we alright, well let's relax with the GDs. I'd rather you drop <laughs> F bombs on here. Oh, jeez. Um we got seven minutes left. We do? Well, I mean, around seven minutes. We're at the 53. Well, we're remember, at 54 our, minutes. our intros take about five minutes, so. Well, I just want to talk about, since, you know, this is the this is basically the end of the pod, if, you're, if you strictly only care about the Giants. The Nets are going to get James Harden. Oh, my God. Here we go. The Nets are going to get James Harden. Like, it, <sighs> Woj doesn't tweet about it if it's not likely. If, like, he doesn't tweet about it for just dumb rumors. They're going to have Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. And the people saying, there's only one ball. Stop it. Stop it. There's only been one ball for the last 10 years, and teams have made it work. LeBron made it work with Kevin Love and Chris Bosh as their third guy. And those guys are big men. They were either clogged the lineup or they were turned into spot-up shooters. They weren't like they didn't fit with that. With Steve Nash, who will undoubtedly be a player's coach, Mike D'Antoni there helping him, Amar, like you have the right people around these guys. Um, they're not going to sign Mello, Chris Mickle, just because D'Antoni is on that staff. Um, but maybe, maybe you never know. I mean, that is going to be crazy. That's going to be crazy. Now it's going to be three guys. I don't really like that much. Like I'm not a big fan of of Kyrie. I can't stand the like he thinks he's. I I get part of what Kyrie does, where he's like, he's like, you know, I'm an like I get part of that, but also it's annoying. Harden annoys the crap out of me. Kevin Durant, I'm is he's kind of weird, but I don't I don't dislike him, but. For all the people, and I saw someone like, how am I going to tell my son when the Nets don't win for 10 straight years after this? Point to the banner. Point to the banner. You you must have not been a Nets fan for very long. You don't realize, in the NBA, you don't just get chances at championships. You don't. 
and I know this as a Nets fan, okay? I cherish those 2001 to 2004 teams. I cherish them, and they didn't win. They didn't win. Game six of the 2003 NBA Finals haunts me, haunts me. When you have a chance to win, you do everything you can. I don't care if we lose for 20 straight years after this. If we get a ring, I will be very happy. And the Nets will. And Knicks fans, shut up. I love you guys. I really do. I, and I don't hate the Knicks. But you guys should try and come and rain on my parade. Let us have this. Okay? I get that you guys suck. And your owner sucks. I hope James Dolan ends up selling the team eventually. And you guys end up figuring this out. But don't come and rain on my parade, Knicks fans. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. So, the Nets are going to win the title this year. There really is only one ball, though. There's been only one ball for the last ten years when super teams have worked. They're not. They're not. They're not being drafted to the same team. They they are going to put their egos aside, and then like you could point to like, oh well, KD's ego got in the way, and that's why I left Golden State. Well, guess what? They also did. They won two titles in three years, and they would have won three in a row if Kevin Durant doesn't get hurt. So cool. I'm not saying it won't end ugly in three years, and they won't all go the separate ways. Get me a title. Just get me one title, and I will be happy. You don't. You only get so many chances at these. Especially when you're a team like the Nets. We're not the Lakers. We're not the Celtics. We are the Nets. Let's not forget who we are. We are the Nets. We are not a perennial team. We are farmers. Ava Kamara had 15 rushing yards today, but 34 fantasy points. Touchdowns. Jameis played. Jameis did play. Second half. Drew Brees hurt. You shut up, Drew Brees hurt his ribs. I'm I'm eight and two in the John Boy Media League. Yeah, I mean, no one really pays attention. I mean, someone took Chris Godwin second overall in that pick, and I'm not going to say anything hurtful, but that league is nothing to be proud of. My brother runs my team in that league. Wow. Wow, way to, way to downplay my success. Um, The Knicks are getting Westbrook, Danny Behan, and I don't think it's the worst thing in the world like people act. I don't think it, like, like it. Here's my thing, and me and Snacks actually went back and forth with this the other night in, in our group chat, Justin, while Justin yeah, just ignored I, I us. Uh, well, I was sleeping. This was like 1 o'clock in the morning. Like, I get Westbrook, like, he's not going to come and make the the Knicks great, you know? But the Knicks, and Snacks made a great point, need to stop clinging to these young players. Like, I like Kevin Knox. I actually think Kevin Knox is a decent, decent prospect. Kev, but Kevin Knox is never going to be more than a 7th, 8th man on a really good team. He's just not. Um, you know, I'm not saying trade Mitchell Robinson or, or RJ Barrett. Like, don't do that. But if you could trade Knox and, like, Randall is a bad trade piece. Like, no chan- no title team is going to want to trade for Randall. And and maybe one pick. Or, no, you probably get picks back because Houston might want to be unload that. Like, bring in Westbrook. And he, f- he is a veteran who will buy into Thibodeau and the working hard go, go, go all the time. And that's as a veteran who will buy into that, where a lot of veterans want to buy into that with Tom Thibodeau. Thibodeau's so, not a rebuilding coach. No, that's why I didn't like the hire for the Knicks. But if he's there, he's there. Do what you got with what you yeah. got. T Wolves made the playoffs under Thibodeau, so yeah, why not? But people give like, oh, well, the Timberwolves are a bad team, and they made the playoffs. Like with Thibodeau did that. It's like, yeah, they also had Carl Anthony Towns, who was a first overall pick. Wiggins, who's not good, but he's a good talent. And Jimmy Butler, who we just saw carry the Miami Heat to the NBA Finals. I get he had Bam Aldeo and Goran Dragic, who was like, you know, they were trying to trade a year ago. But it's like, congrats. You made it to the playoffs and won one game. That's my best. Talking, talking basketball. Um, we just had a spaceship go up. 
You feel good? You got that out of your system? Yeah, I had to do that. We had. This- How was the spaceship? It was pretty cool. I missed the Hail Mary by Kyler Murray because of it. Ah. I was like, oh, this game's over. Let me go watch the shuttle launch. Or the spaceship what was, what, wasn't it? What was more of a rocket, that throw or the actual rocket? The throw. I mean, I, I, I see, <laughs> not to brag, but I see rockets go up all the time here in, in the Space Coast, What you know, what our county is. I see rockets go up all the time. You know, I don't. You, you only see Hail Marys like once every couple of years. That's right. Shout out Eli Manning. Yeah, shout out Eli, man. Just stacking those dubs. How about that? How about that, Eli? All right, we got anything else before we roll? No, we will be back what day? I I would say Thursday, unless something big happens. We'll be back Thursday because this is the bye week, which with our mailbag voicemail. So I know people have been missing. Well, they had it last week, but if you want to, you know, leave a voicemail, call the number. Um, we already have one. Okay, cool. It was probably Dan um, in Staten Island. No, no, not Dan in Staten Island. Um, I think somebody is in Naples. Who's it? I'm oh, forgetting his name. Eric. 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 Yes. Um, and then Monday, next Monday, we're gonna have a special episode. Collaborate. I won't say it until it's until it's done. Right. Um, but it should be some fun, and then obviously we'll be back for uh the Bengals preview. Let's go win. Hey, I tweeted this, but I'll say it again. Daniel Jones only has wins against the Bucks, Washington, and the Eagles, and whoever we play next. That's my mindset. That is my mindset. Who are we playing next? Because that's who we're beating next. Appreciate you guys. Please, if you didn't do it, leave a rating and review. We truly do appreciate you guys. It has been a fun day. Enjoy the bye week. Watch football. Have fun. Live, laugh, love. And let's go Big Blue. John Boy Media has a new teammate. It's iHeart Podcast. What does it mean? John Boy Media shows can now be found over at the Dan Patrick Show. That's right. How cool is that? Wake and Jake and Jimmy's three things have joined the iHeart Podcast and Dan Patrick Show family. And the best part, they'll still continue to be the same shows you know and love. If you couldn't tell, we're excited about this one. And thank you guys for listening.